It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The biggest three observations from the greatest comeback in NFL history. Plus, don't look now. The Wolves and Wild are red hot and heating up fast. Don't go anywhere. It's coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now it's Superior Sports Talk with Care 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. It's 30 minutes every day, and it's all the Minnesota sports you need. It's Superior Sports Talk, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Lockdown Sports Minnesota. This is your daily 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV. Check him out every night up on CARE 11. Reg, first time I've gotten to sit down and talk Minnesota sports with you in at least a couple days, if not a week. I trust you and Sam though you guys held down the fort yesterday while i was gone yeah yeah it's weird today feels like a wednesday i think because it game does. day was on saturday instead yeah. so yeah it feels like we've been like digesting and talking <laughs> about this game for like days now but you know we we tried to fill in in your stead and hopefully you will approve of what we did all right all right Plenty to break down. Remember, follow along Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button there. Leave us a comment. End on Twitter. Give us a follow. It's at Lockdown MIN. And remember, after this show, go check out the Lockdown Sports Today. From the games that matter most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. All right. To football we go, Reg, greatest NFL comeback in history took place Saturday. We all know that by now. I don't know what you and Sam broke down yesterday, but this is my first chance to kind of speak on it. I know it's only a 30-minute show. I know you guys hit on a lot of the meat and potatoes Monday, so I don't want to get too redundant or chew up a lot of time, so just real quick, I got to give you my big three observations that maybe hasn't already been hit on. I'll start defensively. For a box score scout that reads the paper the next day, sees 36 points given up, the obvious knee-jerk reaction is to assume the defense had a rough day. But that was anything but the case, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Let's go through real quick, drive-by-drive drive, these points allowed. First three points by the Colts. Well, the opening kickoff was taken back to midfield. Defense gives up two first downs. They held them to a field goal. That's a win in my book, 3 nothing. Then you get the block punt, 10 nothing. That's not on the defense whatsoever. Then you get two great runs by Dalvin Cook. He coughs it up, though. Colts go down. They score on that drive. Okay, that's one legitimate touchdown they give up. But you got to remember, too, now they've already been on the field for like 20 straight plays. The offense only had five plays total in yeah. that time frame. Then you go three and out again, but you go for the fake punt pass. Indy gets the ball at the 21. They hold strong, though, the defense does. They only allow a field goal. 20 rip. Now, that's another huge win, though, on that drive. Then... Three and out again. Getting a little redundant now at this point from the offensive point of view. They go with the C.J. Ham fourth down jet sweep. They don't get it. 
Colts have the ball at the 30. Again, deep in Vikes territory, but this defense holds them to a three and out. Another huge stand, another field goal, 23-0. Next drive, stop me if you've heard this. Vikes go three and out again. They punt this time. Defense hold the Colts offense to another punt. They clamp down again. What does this Vikings offense do? Pick six. Mm. 30 rip now. Again, though, not on the Vikings defense. Vikings offense punts again before half. Vikings defense holds the Colts to another field goal. So just in that first half alone, 33 points on the board. Vikes allow one touchdown. And yeah, a couple field goals, despite, though, Colts being deep into Vikings territory. Now, second half, this is where they really turn it on. And granted, Colts are kind of in that run-out-the-clock mode now. But at this point, even just one long, sustaining drive, mm-hmm. it's a killer, man. It nearly yeah. ends the game at that point, right? Doesn't it? Because there just wouldn't be enough time on the clock at that point. Vikings defense goes on to force five punts, a strip fumble, and a fourth down stop on Matty Ice. This defense, Reg, man, throw away that box score. Forget about it. Don't even look at it. They were phenomenal. After that long week, we sat here, I for one, ripping on that defense. Ed Donatel, worst defense in the league. They showed up, and they showed out. And despite the offense, really just putting them in numerous situations that put their back against the wall, they stepped up, and they had every much to do with this comeback win as the offense did in that second half. We'll get into a few more details about that, but hats off to Patrick Peterson. I'm sure you've heard by now goes in the locker room, walks over to the offense and said, we're going to shut them down. Score five, and we're winners. Still get goosebumps kind of hearing that, by the way. But that's a veteran leader speaking up, taking over. All the odds are against you at that point. Huge catalyst for the Vikings coming out in that second half with just the right mindset. Like, think how easy it would be to just give up at that point. But just the right mindset, the emotional fortitude to win that game. And you can't tell me that doesn't carry over now into the DNA from here on out. If they're ever put in another tough situation called playoff time, they know just mentally in their minds they can pull it off. I want you to chime in here. Quick thoughts on that defensive performance we saw Saturday. Yeah, I think especially early on, the offense put them and a little bit of special teams too, kind of put them in really bad positions. You had the the Ryan Wright where Jalen Naylor was open on that big punt and mm-hmm. he just missed him. He like airmailed it. I don't know. It was weird. It was like a Baker Mayfield pass. It's showing off his arm. Like I'm yeah. a punter, but check this out, man. Yeah. He's like, here, take this arm cannon. Jalen Naylor was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, <kinda laughs> just like a fastball too. It's like a 12 yard at most, maybe. Yeah. Just it's, a fast. It's like, dude, you're not Brett Favre. Put a little touch on it once in a while, man. No, nope, you want to like, show it off. Jalen Nay was like, look, man, I don't get very many uh, footballs as it is, man. Just put it on me. I got you. Let's Mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. And so you really didn't put the defense in in great position to succeed, especially in that first half anyway. And so, look, you you look at it, and honestly, I didn't really think about it too much. It wasn't until P.A. uh, tweeted after the game and said, like, the much maligned defense only allowed one touchdown. I was just like, wait a minute. Yeah, he can't be right about this. I went back and looked at the the box score. I'm like, wait, Mm -hmm. no, 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 because I saw right. Wait, no, really? Huh? That's why I had to call it out because it's so easy to just be like, man, this defense is in shambles still. Well, not really, not not that day, anyways, not Saturday. Yeah, they look, they did give up some chunk plays, especially in that first half, and yeah, they were on their heels, but Mm -hmm. it was that classic bend but don't break defense Mm -hmm. that we've come to see this season. So 
you know, I think maybe it's one to grow on. You know, we'll see what happens against the Giants. The Giants aren't necessarily a world-beating offense. Not a juggernaut. No. And so, you know, you got to be careful with Daniel Jones, Les, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know, but I think that is something that is encouraging moving forward. Like, okay, like so many people were down on the defense after that loss to the Lions. And they went out there and they had some pride about themselves, whatever adjustments that they made. It ended up working out better, and we saw what happened. Well said there. Observation number two. All right. This, I need to start out with an apology because Uh-oh. for the past two weeks, correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like about two weeks, I brought up this scary cat mess next year, and I try to find ways to save some cash, retain some core players. And in doing so, I sat here time and time again. I looked in this camera right here, and I said, I think they need to cut Dalvin Cook. Save the eight million. Well, I sit here today, Reg. Humbled. I kept telling you you were crazy. You 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 called it, man. You said I was loco. I'm humbled now. I'm fully ready to admit I did make a mistake. I was dead wrong. That dude is special. And I knew he was special. I've seen all the film. I watched him coming out of Florida State. I just hadn't seen it. The things he did Saturday in what felt like a long time. Like he had that long run against Miami, but was kind of quiet up to that point. But I knew it was still in there somewhere. I never should have doubted him. After watching Cook in that second half, Reg, his feet maybe the best in the NFL. The feet, the burst, the acceleration, they're so special. He's so elite. He's so deadly. And we all got a reminder, including myself, why he is talked about as one of the best in the game. Kamara, Jonathan Taylor, C-Mac, I mean, they're all great. But when Cook's on and playing like he did Saturday, I'm not sure I want anyone else in the league more than I want Dalvin Cook. He's so dangerous in this offense with the way it's built. And it feels like KOC is starting to find a little groove with him on how to best use him next to all these other toys he's got to play with. And so I don't care what Quasey has to do, but you got to find a way to keep Dalvin Cook around for the next few seasons because that dude is so special, and there's only a few other running backs in the league that can impact the game like he can. Your quick thoughts on Dalvin and the day he had Saturday. Look, man, Dalvin is top six right now in rushing in the NFL, and it's like, Maybe maybe you look at it and you say it's a, a quiet 1,000, but he has 1,045 yards right now in rushing. Five and, straight seasons, I believe. 1,000 yep. yards, five and, straight. And he's been durable as they come. He, you know, dislocated the shoulder, had mm-hmm. the shoulder injury earlier in the season, put the brace on, and he was just back out there rolling. And he said that, you know, in the locker room this past week that the brace actually helps stabilize him. He can't really play without the brace because his arm just tends to kind of go in weird directions. And, and you know, he, he kind of has issues with it. And so he put that brace on and he's been out there going each and every week and not just out there like he's contributing heavily. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at that Buffalo game. He yanked that long one. You look at the the Miami game. You look at, you know, this past game. And and coming into the year, what were we talking about? Dalvin Cook getting involved in the passing game. And it's funny. I was talking to Sam yesterday. He's been so hard on the Vikings about running screens. And, Mm. man, they, they ran a couple to perfection 
on Saturday. There was one that I remember Brian Baldinger broke down and it, it was it was electric. I, I saw Damian Woody on NFL Rewind breaking it down where you had KJ Osborne and Christian Derrissaw running in one, and then you had Ezra Cleveland and Derrissaw running in the other and springing Dalvin for some big gains in both, one leading to the, the touchdown that yes. ended up helping tie the game. And so that if they continue to utilize Dalvin in a myriad of ways, showing just how multiple the offense can be with him in there, you know, they split him out wide. They put him in, you know, weird position. If you saw mm -hmm. that that play, uh, C.J. Ham, the touchdown, they put Dalvin like in the the yeah. – next to the the offensive lineman like yeah. right next to Brian O'Neill and just kind of like put him on that that sweep action and mm -hmm. just hit CJ Ham right there he guts it in the end zone for the touchdown like the dude is a dynamic player he's still a young player as well i know it seems like he's been around forever but you know he's still a pretty young player i just don't think you give up on a guy like that especially when it seems like He's still in his prime and still at the very, very top of his game. Yep, I'm telling you, I was wrong. Keep that guy around. I don't care what you need to pay him. He's that special, a blue-chip player when you look at the position and the stats and the longevity like you just mentioned. Health was always a big thing. Remember, Zimmer was like old-school pound the rock 30 40 times a game it broke that dude down man he was always hurt he was always hobbling around week to week questionable out a couple games here or there this training and health staff just across the board has been phenomenal for the health and longevity of this team and, and I think you're starting to see it really pay off now at the end of the season going into the playoffs too yeah yeah and you know alexander madison is no running back to sneeze at you know i Absolutely. think i think you know you put him on another team and he could challenge for starting oh. carries like I, he can I he think he's a that. starter on about 12 offenses right now yeah i, I think he's a legitimate rb1 on about 10 to 12 teams right now yeah, and kudos to KOC for, you know, you talk about them preserving Dalvin. There are sometimes you watch these games, there are some drives mm -hmm. where he just takes Dalvin off the field and it's just the Alexander Madison drive. Yeah. And he does a really good job of spelling Dalvin with Madison that just keeps that balance going to keep both of those guys fresh. And that's going to be key, especially coming down the stretch and headed into the playoffs you get a fairly fresh Dalvin Cook, that's going to be scary hours. All right, last one real quick. This team, it's just crazy to think about the last two years, where we came from. It's just polar opposite of what we watched the last two years when it comes to winning close games, isn't it? 10-0 and in one-score games, now almost unheard of. Props to KOC for putting in the time the minute he showed up in Minnesota and working on the situational football, turning a weakness into a strength because that's what the entire second half was. It wasn't just the final two minutes or four minutes. We got to score. We got to score quick. Five touchdown drives that averaged two minutes and seven seconds. Insane to do that once or twice in a row, let alone five times. The efficiency they moved the ball in the second half, I think maybe unlocks some things now for this offense they can now build off of going into the playoffs and start to look like the offense we probably all imagined it would when we heard KOC is going to be running the show, calling the shots with weapons like J.J. Cook, Thielen, Osborne, now Hawkinson. The first two months, I think we both sat here and said, hey, people need to be patient. The fans need to just be patient. This stuff takes time. And here we are. 
Maybe it took 14 weeks, but you know what? I think this offense is officially kind of heating its peak at the right time and getting hot at the end. So props to KOC running this offense, but not just Kirk, but all his best weapons and just the best situations to succeed and maximize their own unique kind of skill sets. What do you think? Am I, am I off here? Because I know devil's advocate. People are going to be saying right now, yeah, but Luke, they looked atrocious in the first half. How many three and outs did they go? And like, they're right. We got some Jekyll and Hyde thing going on for sure, but I think it's not how they started so much as how they finished it, and I think that momentum and confidence is going to carry through from here on out. What's your thoughts on just the Jekyll and Hyde offense? Do you think it's here to stay now, or are you still worried about the little bipolarness, I guess, of the whole thing? It is how they finish. Mm -hmm. That's been how they've been all season. You know, Kirk Cousins missed the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Like, it's something there where, like, I don't know what it is about the play calls, but it seems like they have to get, like, kicked in the teeth or something to, like, jumpstart. Like, I don't know if it's, like, the script that KLC is trying to run or, like, but Sam mentioned it yesterday. It's like when KLC just has to throw the script out and he's just calling plays on field and their back is against the wall. That's really when they shine the most. Those two-minute drives, like, that is incredible. But it's like, you think about it, you're like, dang, like, where is that? Mm -hmm. All the time. Why aren't that, they that aggressive all the time? And it's, it's really mind-boggling. It's head-scratching, honestly, because you thought that maybe in that Lions game, they unlocked something. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, they're going to come into this game against Indian. They're going to steamroll them. They're going to roll. And the first several drives, you're like, what the heck is going on? What are they doing? It's the Colts. It's not, you know. It, it's not the Ravens 0-2 yeah. Ray Lewis Ed Reed defense here. Yeah, Come on. It, it was it was mind-boggling. And so I think what you've seen is a consistent thing that we've seen all season. They kind of have to have their backs up against the wall. You know, they came out in that first game against the Packers. I think the Packers just didn't know what to expect. And they put the pressure on them early and often. But then as the weeks kind of went on, you were just like, okay, all right, they have these yeah, lows. And I think that's just kind of what the makeup of this team is. I don't know what it is or what needs to like happen to just make them super aggressive from the jump. But yeah, I, I think that's kind of what the identity of this, of this team has been all season. You hope to see them just unlock something in that last game and, and carry that forward toward the, the final three games of the season and into the playoffs. But I just don't know if you can trust it. Yeah, don't take this out of context, people. Don't put words in my mouth. But it kind of remind you of whether he was on the Patriots or the Bucks. Tom Brady would struggle like the first three quarters. But then they would get in that hurry-up mode, that offense with two, four, six minutes left. Maybe it was the fourth quarter. And it just seemed like they were in sync. And forget about even Brady. Just a lot of quarterbacks and offenses in the league right now. You see him stall and just struggle so much throughout the game. But once the coaches decide to flip the switch and go in that up-tempo, hurry-up offense – Things just seem to change, and all of a sudden it becomes more effortless, and they just move the ball down the field so much more quickly in chunk play fashion. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. I know you're not going to go hurry up the entire game for four quarters, but there's got to be a happy medium and finding some sort of balance between keeping that up-tempo style and being able to avoid the lulls because that was way too many three and outs in that first half. Who's kidding who? All right, coming up next, we're talking Ant and the Wolves who are red hot right now. But first, Vikes jump back to 10. 
10 to 1 to win the Super Bowl now. They open this week versus the Giants, four-point favorites over under sitting at 44 and a half points. Make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with Bet Online. BetOnline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, info, you want it, they got it. NFL, NBA, NHL, even MMA and UFC. BetOnline makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to BetOnline.net today to learn more. That's BetOnline.net, where the game starts. All right. To basketball we go. Didn't see the game last night. Just doing some box score scouting. Give me your best just two or three minutes of the Wolves' 116-106 win last night over the Mavs. What would you see? You know, I think we saw some grit mm. from the Wolves. They they got down, had a, a big second quarter, outscoring the, the Mavs. Luka Doncic really wasn't a, a big factor in the game. He and both Jason Kidd in that uh, second half both got tossed, tossed. Oh, they did. Luca, yeah, Luca. Luca <laughs> went it. to the went to the cup and he felt like he should have gotten fouled. He came back down the court cussing, complaining, and Jason Kidd had his back. He's cussing, complaining. Refs like, yeah, both of you guys hit the showers. You're out. Enjoy the locker room. You're out. The visiting locker room here at Target Center. Maybe go around the concourse, get a hot dog, you know, enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the venue, enjoy the scenery around. Yeah, there, right? go check out the art here. center a few blocks away. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, get on the phone, text your baby back or something. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's, okay, it's so done. you say Luca was quiet. I need to know more. I heard Jaden McDaniels was pretty solid on defense, but was there more to it than that? He just, I think the the Mavs are are like. Um, what David Ruffin said about himself and the Temptations, like it's Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. It's not the the Dallas Mavericks. It's him and the cast of characters around him, and he just they just didn't have enough. You know, they they have some some solid perimeter shooting. Bertans had I think he went six for nine from the field um, off the bench last night, and you know it, it was cool. But like you look at. What the Wolves are doing right now, no Cat, no Gobert, no Prince, no J-Mac, mm. no slow-mo last night. They had five guys out last night, and they were just playing in sync. And it's so funny, they were criticized for the trade that they made for Rudy Gobert being the, the biggest team in the league, employing you know two big men. And last night, they had a starting lineup with Nas Reed at the five and Jaden McDaniels at the four. Mm. Austin Rivers started at the point, D'Lo at the two, and at the three, like the, going super small ball out there, just busting their heads. Mm. 27 from Nas Reed last night. He's going to get paid in the mm. offseason, and I'm not sure it's going to be from the Wolves. I don't know if they can swing it. And, you know, you got 13 from Jaden McDaniels. That's solid. But you got 27 from Ant. He was one assist shy of a triple-double last night. He's really been in his bag. And I mentioned to uh, Sam yesterday, Carl Anthony Towns called Ant out earlier in the year about taking care of his body. That's right. His love for Popeyes and all that. 
Ant looks lean and mean right now. Like mm-hmm. he is not that same guy from earlier in the season where he looked maybe a little sluggish, maybe like he was weighed down a little bit by the extra weight that he put on, the extra weight that he put on on purpose, honestly, uh, mm-hmm. from his own admission at media day. And now he's slimmed down because he's been running up and down the court every game, slimmed down, and he's just got some bounce. He's got like just a different level of edge to his game. And that's just what we've kind of seen on display. You know, he gets the steal, you know, puts that three ball up, that windmill that we saw on Sunday night. Like that was disgusting. And, you know, he just came back yesterday and just added right to that he and Nas 27 points apiece tied for a team high and they went in there and got it done they it, it looked a little tight to start the third the the Mavs were you know the the Wolves have those Timberwolves third quarters where you know their leads kind of shrink a little bit and it looked like it was going like that at, at the start of the third but then they just hunkered down and went right back up by 15 and they just kept that lead going all throughout the game. And once Luca and Jake Kidd got tossed, it was pretty much a wrap at that point anyway. Wolves have won three in a row. They put up 150 versus the Bulls a couple nights ago. Are you seeing the same kind of thing over and over in these last three wins? Was last night something different than you saw versus the Bulls or versus the Thunder? Because what I'm getting at is, why all of a sudden the sudden success with no Rudy and Cat? Is it just as simple as their star players leveling up and stepping up to the big stage and Ant taking over and the 150 versus the Bulls? D'Lo went off as well. Is it just as simple as these guys taking over games? Or is there more to it? They're just going out there and hooping. Okay. Honestly, like they're not thinking too much, trying to get their other guys involved. You know, I think it was a lot of pressure with Rudy out there, with Cat out there. Both of those guys are are dominant big men in their own right. And they're trying to make that thing work. Like they put a lot into getting those two big men together. And it just hadn't worked. And I think the tough part about what's going on right now is they are finding ways to win without both of those big men, even in the lineup. And when it's time to reinsert them, like they still are going to have to figure out how to play together at a high level to where they're winning games like they're doing right now. Like they're overcoming the losses of Rudy and Cat because their other guys are just stepping up. They're just going out there and hooping, man. Like, I don't think they're out there thinking too much. Like, oh, is is this person getting the ball? Is that person getting the ball? They're not thinking about all of that. They're just going out there. They're hooping. Ant said he's having the most fun he's ever had playing basketball right now. That's like. Love to hear that. In in one regard, it's like, oh, that's awesome. In another regard, you're like, oh, yikes. Because, like, he doesn't have his normal guys out there with him. Oh, yeah. They're running up and down the floor. He's jumping out of the gym. They're hustling, and it looks good right now. They're doing exactly what they need to do without having the complement of their big stars out there. But you just wonder, like, when they do get their guys available again, how are they going to all connect together where they can keep winning games like this? Hey, any quick injury update on Cat, his timetable, or Rudy? Is he a day-to-day thing, or what's the outlook look like for those two big names coming back? Yeah, it looks like Rudy is day-to-day. Cat, okay. no change. Like, I think this, the same timetable is there. What's, I guess, promising is you are seeing Cat, I think, starting last week. Cat is out there. 
Um, Trav, I, I think he's out there, especially in home games. I haven't seen him in away games yet, but he's with the team uh, during their home games, sitting on the bench, and and he's out there. You know, he's upright. He's walking. You know, when we last saw him before that, he wasn't, you know, walking too well. He was mm-hmm. gingerly on needing some help. So at least it's good to see him upright and out there on the bench cheering on his team. He's, you know, available to to be there for moral support, you know, to have his presence there, but he's not ready to play yet. Yeah, Wolves-Mavs, they get a day off today, but running it back, copy-paste, same thing tomorrow at the Target Center in the backyard, tip-off 7 p.m. Rest assured, Reggie and I will be back Thursday to break it all down. All right, time for one quick one. Give me one segment. Give me one! From one red-hot Minnesota team to the next, the Minnesota Wild have won five in a row. Give me one reason why the Minnesota Wild are on fire right now. Explain this to me like I'm five. Just real quick here, Reg. What's going on with the Wild and why they've had so much success as of late? I think it's multiple things. I don't think it's just one thing. But I think yesterday, Dean Everson talked about how he's able to implore so many guys on so many different lines. And they're healthy. They they got uh, a benefit of having multiple guys available. You know, Kirill Kaprizov is playing wonderfully. And I talked to Sam yesterday about this. It's like uh, he just told the the team, like, hey, look, I know we don't have Kevin Fiala anymore. That's okay. All the goals he scored, I'll just score them myself. How about that? Yeah. And and he's doing his thing. And then yesterday on CARE 11, last night at 10, we talked about um, the emergence of Philip Gustafson, the backup goaltender behind Flower. He's 6-0 and in his last six starts. Oof. Whooping him. You know, the, the last game against the Senators, his former team, he allowed two goals. They won 4-2. to two. Where, Where'd he come from? The Senators. But, like, yeah. is he a high draft pick? Is he old? Is he young? Is he, He's what, a younger guy. Okay. Yeah, he's a younger guy. And okay. so he's giving them a lot of confidence. The mm-hmm. guys were saying that he's kind of coming into his own kind of really like finding his footing coming over for uh you know on his new team he's seven and four on the year but like I said six and oh last six starts those are those are integral for them right now they're winning games in different ways we've seen a shutout we've seen not like a shootout per se but we've seen them be able to score multiple goals you know four and five goals six goals even to try to win these games like they are just playing at a high level all across the board right now, seven games over 500, and they're rolling. I'm counting right now, only six points back from Dallas, who's in the lead, three points back from Winnipeg in the Central Division standings. Wild play tomorrow night on the West Coast in Anaheim versus the Ducks. Puck drops 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Late one, but rest assured, Reggie and I will be back Thursday again for that one to break it all down. All right, that's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel and join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. Hey, we're a podcast too. Free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five-star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV. Check him out every night up on CARE 11. Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. We're back tomorrow with another episode of Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.